1.2 million people last month watched my posts. So I can go to a company and say like, listen, over a million people are going to see me in a Bridgestone hat this month on social media alone, you know? That has a big value to it. And I'm telling you, like, pro golf, you need to do everything you possibly can to, you know, have a, promote yourself and create some type of extra income. Hello, and welcome to Making the Turn, a golf performance podcast. I'm your host, Vince Drummond. Today, we have a really awesome episode for you guys, episode number seven with a very special guest, Frederick Lindblom. Frederick is here to talk to us today about his journey through professional golf, some of the opportunities that he's been able to have as a result of professional golf. Frederick has a really cool story. Uh, just with his background, he grew up in Sweden, came to America to play college golf, and then has traveled all over the world since turning professional got to play on a lot of different tours and in a lot of cool places. So he gives us a lot of stories today about his journey and his life in professional golf. He also talks to us about the team that he works with and how they set some of their goals uh, leading into each and every season. And he also talks a lot about his life as a social media influencer. Frederick is one of those rare people who is not only a professional golfer, but also has the opportunity to be a social media influencer for the golf community. And so he gets afforded a lot of very cool opportunities as a result of that. He talks to us about that as well and really just gives some great insight and tips into anyone who's interested in the world of professional golf, but also the world of social media and trying to get into that realm. So really excited to just jump right into it. Here's episode seven of Making the Turn with guest Frederick Lindblom. Hats forward, headphones on, let's go. <laughs> all right well we're here back with episode seven of making the turn a golf performance podcast really excited to have frederick Lindblom with us today frederick is a professional golfer who recently just got status on pj tour latin america for 2019 and has had a really cool professional career so far so thanks for joining us today frederick thank you for having me looking forward to it man yeah, definitely. Uh, why don't you start by just kind of telling everyone a little bit about your story, kind of how you got involved in the golf and how you uh, kind of made it to where you are now, playing professional golf and, and doing everything you can to make it to the highest level. Absolutely. So uh, I grew up in Sweden, Stockholm, Sweden. Growing up, I played a lot of hockey and soccer. Golf wasn't introduced to me until I was 14 years old. And uh, my granddad introduced the game to me and you know, uh, I love the fact that it was an individual sport. I've always played team sports. And, you know, if, the, if we didn't perform as a team, it was my, you know, my, uh, my friend's fault, never my fault, right? My team's fault. And uh, if we did good, it was because of me. So I had a big head at an early age. And uh, I love the fact that uh, individual sport, it was all up to me. If I wanted to get better, I went out there and practiced hard. And I had no one to blame except for me. And... Uh, I think it was my, what you guys call it, my soccer coach uh, told me like, oh, you got to pick one sport or the other. And he kind of upset me. And I said, all right, well, away with you and we play golf. So uh, I got good pretty quick. Then I moved to Spain. And then my dad pretty much told me like, you have an offer to play college golf in Kentucky. And I asked him like, where's Kentucky? And <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, like, just go and see if you like it. And I went and, uh, yeah, the, the definition of a culture shock was uh, pretty accurate. It was, you know, I come from a city and we went to 
in the middle of nowhere and that's where I met you and uh, spent two years at a school called uh, University of the Cumberlands in middle of nowhere Kentucky and then had enough and uh, moved on to Clayton State University which is in Atlanta Georgia and uh, had a pretty good career there decided to turn pro and uh, started my pro career in, in Asia and uh, been there for a couple of years and now decided I want to play more in the States because I kind of got sick of traveling overseas all the time. So uh, I did a qualifier here last week at the uh, Mission Inn Resort in Florida for the PGA Latin America. And I played great, shot eight under, finished fifth to earn full status for the first half of the season. So that's where we're at now. Awesome. Uh, and when does that season get kicked off for you? When are you starting to, to travel for that? The first tournament, uh, the schedule hasn't been released yet, but they told us that the first tournament would be end of March. Okay. So do you have a couple of, of smaller events planned before then, or are you just taking that time to prep and get ready? What's your schedule look like leading up to that event? So uh, I just moved down to Tampa. used to be based out of Atlanta just because there, there are a thousand miniature events you can play here. So that's probably what I'm going to do, play some smaller stuff here. Um, and then just get ready. You know, there are a lot of one-day events, uh, some two- and three-day events that are smaller, but we'll do the same thing for you. Just prepare yourself for in a tournament condition and then uh, uh, go from there and try to get as ready as you can for the, for the big league. So, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things that I think is so cool about you um, is kind of your story and your journey. I feel like you've had a really cool journey through golf. Uh, just starting in Sweden and then coming to play golf in America. But even as a professional, you've kind of played all over the world in different places and, and different events. So talk a little bit about your experience playing the, the MENA tour that you played and playing uh, in some foreign places in some different countries, kind of how that was like, how it was traveling and, and being in new places all the time and experiencing that. Absolutely. So just after I turned pro, I went, my friend recommended me a new tour that's based in Dubai. And, uh, you know, for people who haven't been to Dubai yet, it's the coolest place on earth. Like, it's Las Vegas on steroids. I mean, the whole city is only 30 years old. You have the tallest building in the world, the biggest mall uh, in the world. It is just absolutely nuts. So I kind of like the fact that, you know, you can be based there and play professional golf. So I went, and yeah, man, we've been, I've been playing tournaments in Saudi Arabia. That was like the first ever professional sporting event in Saudi Arabia. Uh, was a golf tournament, funny enough, sponsored by American Express. And uh, we had to get like a special visa to be allowed into the country because they don't get a tourist visa, a visa for, or any type of visa for Saudi Arabia at that point. That was like three years ago. Uh, so that was cool. That was awesome. Uh, a funny story is that the tour um, called me over in the practice round. It's like, hey, man, you're going to be playing with one of the princes of Saudi Arabia tomorrow. And I was like, all right. So the stereotypical thoughts you know, started. You know, I called my mom. Mom, I might lose a hand tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, you know, the wrong thing. and You're out. He might bring a tiger to the first day. You never know, right? So, uh, so I'm, you know, I do my warm up and looking around, you know, the next day, like, is he going to show up with his entourage, you know, like bodyguards and stuff? Like, no one shows up. We'll go to the first tee <laughs> and it's our tea time. 
five minutes go by and we're like, okay, like what's going on there? And here comes it. And the guy comes up, right? He's already five minutes late, but you're not going to penalize, you know, the prince <laughs> out there either, right? So we're like, all right, you're fine. You know, like, come on. He comes up and I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, I'm so freaking out in my head. Like, I'm going to say like, your highness or like, what do I say? Like, I have no idea what to say. I don't know his name, you know, like, like, what's up, dude? Or like, what am I going to say, right? So I'm like already freaking out, sweating. And uh, so he rolls up and he's like, what's up, guys? I was like, he, he has lived his whole life in California. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my gosh. And then I realized that Saudi Arabia, they have like 2,000 princes or something. They're all... <laughs> Here I am thinking he lives in a castle somewhere, you're right? In here and you know, and he's just lived his whole life in California. He was the coolest dude, shot a million and two, you know, like I don't know. But he could he just had a good time and we became friends. He follows me on Twitter, so if you see this, what's up, my man? Hope to see you again. Uh but yeah, that's that's a great story. And I mean I've been all I've played tournaments in uh Kuwait. That was pretty cool. But, you know, like mid the Middle East is such a, you know, so many stereotypes are just not true. The people are the friendliest you've ever met. Uh, so respectful. And uh, just it's just a true joy to travel and uh, live in the Middle East. And, you know, being over here in America, you hear a lot of negative things about the Middle East, obviously. And, of course, there are bad things happening over there, no doubt about it. Like in Saudi Arabia, women weren't allowed to drive, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I've heard some more stories. There. It's kind of sketchy, but uh, but overall, everywhere else in the Middle East, the UAE, it was a wonderful experience. Really, really cool. Um, the only country I don't really like, if I'm allowed to say it, is Morocco. Oh, God. Never go to Morocco. <laughs> it's horrible. It's just, it's dirty. And I apologize for all the, you know, people from Morocco, but uh, that wasn't a great experience, to be honest. The golf was okay, but overall, Morocco, not the greatest. Uh, but yeah, those are some stories um, from uh, from my travels over there. And I got tons more that I can't tell on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but I love it. Good memory. And I'm very glad I did it. I think last year or the year before that, I traveled to 15 countries playing professional golf in one year so you get to see the world which is unbelievable and something I really really appreciate uh, and it comes from hard work you know you gotta out there it's 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 some money it's not a lot of money but uh, yeah you gotta grind if you want to live that life it's it's a sacrifice because you're gonna live out of a suitcase you know you're not gonna have kind of a home and uh, you're not gonna eat uh, fancy dinners and stay at five-star hotels. So you have, you know, a few guys to travel with and you go for chicken and rice every day <laughs> from getting, uh, getting sick because of what you eat. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a very cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I think one of the things about golf in general, but especially about professional golf is a lot of times you see the guys on tour and everyone thinks it's, it's a very glamorous life and you get to, to kind of live it up every week and uh, get courtesy cars and all that kind of stuff. And I think it is a lot more up and down, especially on some of the lower levels than people uh, kind of understand or expect. So talk a little bit about maybe some of the, the best times that you've had in professional golf, but then some of the toughest as well. Some of the times where maybe you wondered, 
why you were doing it or, or were just kind of really struggling as you went through certain things? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, people think, you know, social media is partly because of that and TV. You know, you only really see the guys who play well, who, uh, you know, make a lot of money and everything. And that's all you kind of focus on. And the regular guy, the normal guy, don't really, you know, you don't really pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, on social media, I post pictures from all these cool places. So obviously people are going to think like, dude, this guy is, you know, he's living it up, which I am. But yes, I mean, if you think about it, miniature golf is extremely expensive. If you play miniature golf here in the States, you know, just to enter a three-day tournament is a thousand bucks. Then you add living, exp like travel expenses, just at hotel, foods, like every week you might be paying at least two grand. And if you miss a cut, you're like, that's it, man. You're two grand out of, you know, out of pocket. And if, if you have a bad month, that could be 10 grand real fast. So, uh, I mean, it's extremely stressful because most of the guys playing mini tours, they don't have that type of money to not really care. You know, so everyone are out there being stressed out. Everyone are out there uh, starting to doubt that this is really what they want to do. And absolutely, I've had uh, periods of times where I haven't played great. And I'm thinking like, you know, what's going on here, man? Like, this is really what you want to do. And it's a part of, you know, I think every athlete, you know, experienced that. If you think, you know, you just look at uh, Justin Rose. I think he missed his first, like, 50 cuts after turning pro. It might have been even more. I don't know. You know, like, you know, he, you know, he just didn't play good. And, and unfortunately, being a golfer, that's your life. When you play good, your life is great. When you play bad, your life is not great. And, the, you know, if you can separate yourself from golf and your emotions, that would be great. But I'm, I don't think – I haven't seen many golfers being able to do that, you know. So, um you know, when, when you're playing good, if you talk about experiences, I had a couple of weeks, I think I was playing on the Asian tour in, in, in uh, Thailand, and I had two top threes in a row, making, you know, decent money, being in Thailand, everything is dirt cheap, living it up, you know, you can go for a fantastic dinner for like $7, you know, uh, with drinks and everything, so those are the times that are great. And then I had less good times where, you know, you have a couple of weeks where you just don't play well and you see that, you know, the balance on your account just go, you know, downhill fast. You know, you might have a couple, you might have $20,000 in the bank and you're thinking like, oh, that's awesome. And then a month later, that's $4,000, you know? And you're like, if I have another bad month, I'm done, you know? So it's, you know, you don't want to say it, but it's all down. It's it. Everything has to do with money in the end in pro golf. You know, if you if you have money on your bank account, you're loving it. If you don't, it's not that fun. So it is. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and would you say that's that's the toughest part of it as well? The toughest part of being a professional is just how tied to the results you're kind of not only your emotional state, but just your lifestyle in general is. Uh, like you said, when you have money in the bank, you're able to, to do some things that you definitely can't do when you're playing poor. And I think uh, there's a chance that those could feed off of each other as well. Yeah, exactly. If you think about it, you know, you, I traveled the world, right? I went to 15 countries. When you're playing well, you have money that you can actually go and experience where you're at. You know? But a lot of times, you know, like all you can really afford is just 
the taxi to the golf course and to the hotel and then you know you're on to next week you know if you have a couple of good finishes all of a sudden like you know what i have an off day i'm gonna go and experience this and this and this right it's gonna cost me a couple hundred bucks but i have it so let's do it because i mean i mean whatever jordan i mean thailand i mean you know somewhere else china so let's go do it but uh, yeah so it's absolutely like you're saying you know um if you have money in the bank, your life is, is better as a pro golfer, no doubt about it. Uh, talk a little bit about some of your expectations uh, when you turned pro and then kind of how the, the first three to four years as a professional have gone for you. Is it similar to what you expected? Is it taking maybe a little longer than you expected or you're, you've been working on some things to, to try to help make that a little bit easier? How, how have your expectations coming out of college compared to what the first couple of years have been as a professional golfer? Yeah, so coming out of college my last semester, I, I think in four tournaments, I won twice, I think the second twice, and I was All-American, uh, all the, all-conference, everything, all the, you know, like it like felt like a big shot, right? So I'm thinking like this pro golf thing is going to be great, you know? PG Tour in one year and used, you know, cash and checks. But so we go to the first pro event after I turned pro and, you know, I'm decked out in Bridgestone, who was very kind to, you know, be able to be with them. And I got my sponsors. I got everything in order. I'm good to go. And I think it was, um, it was a mini tour event in Atlanta, a four day event. And I shoot, I think I shot six under in two rounds. And then missed a couple of them. I was like, 35 guys shot better than six under. And I was like, wow. Because, you know, you shoot six under in college, you're going to be top 10, no doubt about it, right? And here I am thinking I'm a big shot shooting six under and going home with, you know, two grand out of my pocket. So that's when I realized, okay, professional golf is just, it's not another level. It's three not levels. Like it's just way up there, and there's so many good golfers anywhere you go in the world. Like I'm in the middle of Malaysia in the jungle, and I remember playing with a guy who was like four feet tall, two hundred years old, hit driver, one eighty five at the most, and I'm like, I just need to beat this guy. Anyway, he goes up, shoots like sixty four, sixty five. 69, 60, whatever, wins the tournament. And I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, <laughs> golf is another level, you know? So, uh, but the, the thing is that, you know, I talked to a lot of kids who graduate college and they want to turn pro. It's like, you, just, you can't let that scare you. You know, some people at that position, they'd be like, I'm just not good enough. I don't want to do this, right? And I promise you, if you stay with it, and you just keep grinding, you know, you're going to get to that level eventually. It's hard to say. It's taken me, you know, a couple of years before, you know, I feel like, okay, I can shoot the numbers, right? But uh, it's definitely something that you will learn. First off, you would think like, oh, it's impossible to shoot 20 under on this course in three days. Like there's so many minotaurs that you go that deep. And then eventually you start realizing, okay, it is possible. So, um but you just have to manage, like, your expectations are huge. You know, if you think that you're a big shot and then you realize you're not, how do you deal with that, you know? What, are you going to spend the time to get better or are you going to, you know, try about it and realize that this is not my 
what I want to do. It's uh, so definitely I, I expected that I would, this would be an easy road, and it hasn't been. But uh, you know, finally now I feel like I'm starting to get to that level where I need to be, and it's taken me a couple of years with you know playing golf all over the world. So uh, yeah, definitely it's tougher than you think. Awesome. Uh, talking about putting in the work, tell us a little bit about some of the specifics for you as you go about um, practicing, as you go about working out. What does kind of your daily routine look like um, in a, a week maybe where you don't have a tournament, a week where you have time just to put into practice, to be able to, to play, practice, work out, do the things you need to do to get better? What does a typical day look like for you? So I've been very lucky. I started uh, working with a coach named John Tattersall. Uh, when I came down to Clayton State and my what is it, my third year of college, he owns a performance facility called Fusion Atlanta in Bucket Atlanta, and uh, I didn't know anything about golf specific workouts really. You know, you and I remember in Cumberland we were doing football workouts and we were you know, I mean we we thought we were doing the right thing. Sorry, Derek, trainer, we love you. <laughs> He's probably better now though. But, uh, you know, so I came down here and he introduced me to, you know, he made me, he taught me how the body works and what part of the body has to be strong and what parts has to be flexible. They have a system that can screen your body. They can tell you, okay, your, this muscle is not strong enough. That muscle needs to get longer. So I learned a lot through their system that they have there at Fusion Atlanta and uh, got onto a program where John is talking directly to my trainer and we can, they can both talk together to figure out, okay, why can Frederick not do this in the swing? Like, why is he struggling with this? And then the trainer can, well, he can't do that because his physical, you know, he, he's got limitations in his body that won't allow his arms or his hips to move a certain way. So, like, if you have a coach that's saying, like, oh, you need to do this, but your body can't do it, you're never going to be able to make it change. So a normal practice day would look for me. I know exactly what I have to do in the gym every day, which is huge. I have a program. I know this is what I need to get done. I get that done in the morning. I do tons of recovery work. Like probably 80% of what I do uh, is just foam rolling, stretching, soft tissue, massage therapy, and just kind of recovery work because I'm already a pretty – long hitter so i don't need to focus too much on becoming even more explosive or even more stronger uh, it's mainly just staying away from injuries you know making sure my body's not getting hurt uh, and uh, yeah i got introduced to a new product i'm gonna pitch a product here on the podcast no but seriously it's helped me a lot you guys probably heard about like cbd oil mm-hmm from the, I think it's from the hemp plant, but it has no THC in it, so it's not, you know, you don't get high of it. But this new company called Pure Swing CBD, uh, I've been using that for a couple of weeks, and it just helps with recovery. You know, it takes away some of the inflammation, uh, makes me sleep better, everything that makes me, you know, more rested. Everything that helps me recover is going to, you know, do wonderful things. So a lot of guys out there, you know, Especially when I turned pro, I started hitting 5,000 range balls and you kind of neglect your body, right? You forget about focusing on what you're doing with your body. So, I mean, you know, you, you would, I would like to say I'm in the gym doing bench press and, you know, getting jacked every day, but it's just not true, man. I'm out there doing 
what I first said would be, you know, old ladies yoga. Sorry to all, you know, not anything against old ladies, but like, you know, like silly stuff, stretching, yoga. Now I do yoga all the time. You know? I do hot yoga in the, you know, in Bikram yoga, it's called. And it's awesome. It's not the most fun thing, but your body's going to thank you. And I have, knock on wood, haven't been injured yet. So that's a big part of it because if you get hurt, you know, you got to take a couple of months off and you don't get any money. You know, you can't make any money for a couple of months. So that's devastating for Definitely. Um, and I think you kind of already answered the next question, but just talking a little bit about how your uh, routine, how the things you've been doing has kind of adapted over time, how you've been able to, to get more efficient, to get better. Um, how important is that to you and how much of a role does your team, do your coaches play in helping you kind of adapt that game plan as well? Yeah, you know, like everything lately, you know, it started out, I had some things I had to change in my golf swing. I felt like I had a left miss that uh, hurt my game too much. So my coach and I had a plan of how we can get that out of the system. Uh, so I had, you know, some things in my the technique that I need to change. And there's some things in my body that I need to get stronger and flexible. And uh, it's easy to kind of track with stats and the screening with the body so you can kind of see all the time how you improve, right? And it's good that you can track it because then you can look at yourself. Am I getting better or not? Are the things I'm doing actually helping? Am I hitting more fairways? Am I missing less shots to the left? Are my body, you know, is my body getting stronger? Am I getting more flexible? So lately, I've achieved a lot of those goals. I know, for example, Q School, I didn't lose a ball for four days on a very tough golf course. I hit uh, three out of the four days, I hit 16 greens in regulation. So like all the numbers, I'm starting to hit my goals, right? You know, before, even in college, you would know I ain't hitting 16 greens. I was chipping and putting like at will. But uh, so now I'm starting to reach those goals that we started set that we set three years ago. You know, so it's all you know coming together. We all have a plan. We see how yeah, my practice adapts absolutely. Now I used to hit a lot of balls on the range. Now it's weird if I hit more than if it, if it's more than one hour on the range per day. You know, it's I kind of feel like my swing is pretty good right now. It looks how I want it. And I spend a lot of time, it gets old, you hear from a lot of people on your short game, your putting, chipping, and I play a lot of golf. And I get best when I play a lot of tournament, not only going out and play golf with my buddies, but the more tournaments I play, the better I get. So, I mean, my whole game plan now with my coaches is play as many tournaments as you can and keep doing the right things, you know, in the gym and even on, you know, on the range and there's something we need to change, but... Uh, it will adapt throughout, you know, throughout the years, throughout the weeks or whatever, but you still have to have like a goal of what you're trying to do. You can't just like this week, I'm going to work on this, this week, I'm going to work on something else. So it's not really changing, but your ability to do what you're trying to do, is getting better. Hopefully, if not, you need to change some things. You know? Definitely. Uh, you talked a little bit about, playing outside of tournaments as well. I know you play quite a bit, uh, spend a lot of time on the golf course. Do you have a, a group of guys or girls that you play with typically? Do you have people that, that you kind of play with 
on a consistent basis? Do you have a, a game that you get into that maybe helps simulate some of that competitive side of things? What are you doing on the golf course? Is it mostly work by yourself or do you have kind of a, a group of other guys that you're getting together with and playing? Yeah, I barely ever play by myself. It's always, you know, some guys uh, that are members when they went to Atlanta, you know, that wanted to play around and I'm fine playing with anyone really, you know, uh, but not really any specific games. I'm out there trying to hit shots, trying to hit certain things that I'm working on in my swing maybe and try it out on those kind of rounds. Yeah. So, and I always, always try to shoot a number. I'm never out there not thinking about, oh, I'm not going to post a score today or whatever. <clears throat> because I think, you know, you're kidding yourself. If you think that going out there <clears throat> and not focusing shooting 85 is not going to get in your head before the next round, it will, promise you. And if you go out there, even if you, there's nothing on the line and you shoot 64, I promise you, you're going to be more confident the rest of the week. So it's like every score matters. That's my coach talking to me about that all the time. And I try to preach it to everyone. Every time you go out there, try to shoot a good score. And don't think too much about, you know, you have some stuff you work on your swing, but still try to hit a shot. You know, if you want to do, you know, just block technique practice, do that on the range and leave it there. But, um, I don't play any specific games except for trying to shoot the lowest score. And yeah, I have a few friends I play with on a regular basis. Normally there's some money involved, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit if you lose. And now I'm down in Tampa and I'm living with my girlfriend, uh, Hannah Gregg, who's uh, also a professional golfer, really good golfer. And I give her a couple of shots and we normally play for ice cream. So you don't want to, <laughs> either. you know, it's, a big deal but it hurts and she's beat me the last couple of days in putting competition which i don't really like to admit but uh that's true so we kind of you know push each other so it's really fun to have her around you know being pro golfer is it's a lonely life otherwise and luckily i found one that plays golf so got lucky there for sure yeah that's awesome uh, and you touched on it a little bit. Obviously, Hannah's involved in it as well but talk a little bit about the role that social media and, and instagram has played for you in terms of your professional career obviously it has its benefits off the golf course as well but um, kind of being able to to do both is something that you don't see a lot of people do or take the time to do and so it's definitely impressive and, and just want to talk a little bit about some of the doors that maybe that world has opened for you in terms of professional golf absolutely so you know being a professional athlete if you want sponsored or anything else it's all about promoting yourself and being able to offer something back in return. If you go to a company and you have no following on social and you just turn for us like, hey guys, would you mind sponsoring me? It's like, okay, what can you offer back to return for us? And you normally don't have an answer to that, right? You're like, uh, nothing, just help me out, you know? 99% of the times you, you know, they point at the door and you walk out, right? Because you get thousands of people asking for stuff all the time, right? So I, when I, I kind of like a year and a half ago, I decided, like, okay, if I have that conversation, what can I tell them that I can offer in return? And I saw this, you know, big influence on, the, on social media. I said, you know what, if I share my career and what I do every day to get better, I think a lot of people can like that. So I started doing that and doing that. And in a year I got pretty popular. I got a lot of people watching my stuff now and uh, following along my journey which is awesome i love it um 
And now I'm, gonna, I'm able to tell companies like, listen, two, I think 3 million people, no, let's see, 1.2 million people last month watched my posts. So I can go to a company and say like, listen, over a million people are gonna see me in a Bridgestone hat this month on social media alone, you know? That has a big value to it. And I'm telling you like, pro golf, you need to do everything you possibly can to, you know, have a, promote yourself and create some type of extra income. Because, you know, if I go through what, 10 gloves a month, four dozen of balls, at least uh, oh, probably six dozen of balls a month. You know, if you're going to pay for all that stuff, it, it gets expensive. So anything you can do to promote yourself and help out with your career, it's very important. And in the end, if you get to a higher level and there's a, there's a company that is going to pick between you and another guy, even if the other guy might be slightly higher ranked than you, but you reach millions of people and millions of people on Instagram or social media, they're going to pick you. So you know, how can you differentiate yourself, uh, make yourself different compared to the rest of them? And that's what I kind of been able to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very powerful. It's a great tool and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, talk a little bit, just kind of go into the new thing that, that you've started. One of the new things you've started on Instagram is 2019 is, is your short game gains videos. Talk a little bit about that series and, and what your goal is coming out of that series, kind of producing those videos. Absolutely. So that's uh, uh, some work I'm doing together with a social media agency called Cosico Social. Um, so they've helped me create a platform where I can help people develop a better short game. I'm known for my short game. Um, my short game statistics are really good every year. I'm playing professionally and I really truly enjoy teaching people how to get better on the greens because to be honest, a lot of people struggle a lot with shipping and putter, especially as amateurs. You see most amateurs kind of get it around the greens on the, on the appropriate amount of shots, right? And then they ship it twice and put it five times and then they make an eight, right? So it's, uh, it's, it can just, I can, I can just tell how big of a difference I can kind of make by just giving them some simple uh, drills and instruction on how to improve the, improve the shipping. And I also believe that the old school type of teaching, shipping and pitching especially, is just completely false, where you have the hands forward, ball back in the stance, and you dig that club into the ground and you have a whole generation of amateurs hitting it fat and sculling the ball over the green. So just by some simple adjustment, you can become a lot better around the green. So this is going to be uh, a website in the end, full of instruction videos and drills and stuff that can help you perform better. Not only is it going to be like you're doing this wrong in the swing, right? It's going to be appropriate drills or how you can improve the things you do wrong in the swing. So it's, it's performance based. It's not just telling you, you're doing this wrong, do it better. It's how can you do it better with drills and exercises and stuff. And we're going to have a lot of people involved. I'm going to be kind of the main guy running the show, I guess, but uh, a lot of good instructors and a lot of good players and a lot of insights from pro professional golfers who knows what they're doing, you know, because you can always have a, you know, a, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but an instructor that teaches golf but can't do them do it themselves. 
you know? So these are going to be guys who can do what they're trying to teach. And I think that's very powerful. You wouldn't go to a math teacher that don't know how to add, right? So it's, uh, it's going to come from people who do something very good and going to be able to teach you how to do it better. So that's kind of what the deal is. Just wait for it. It's going to be up in probably a couple of weeks. Shortgamegains.com. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, and so if by the time this episode's posted, that website is up and live, we'll be sure to put it down in the description notes below. Um, definitely want to touch on one of the things real quick that I think has helped make you so successful so far, whether it's in social media or in golf, and that is your goal setting. Uh, some of the things that, that you do in terms of setting goals and then building your plan to get there. Uh, something that, that I believe in a lot and something that I think you see a lot of successful people do. So give people a little bit of window um, into your 2019 goals, kind of as that relates to social media, but then also as it relates to the golf course and, and your professional work as well. Uh, maybe just some of the things that, that you've kind of set forward for yourself, some of the things that you're looking forward to in this upcoming year. Absolutely. So my main goal has shifted a little bit from chasing world ranking points to going over to the order of merit on the PGA Latin America Tour. So the main goal for anyone who plays the Latin America Tour is to get a head start in the web.com qualifiers or get the top five uh, spots on the Latin America that gives you your web card. So the goal is to get as close as possible to getting your web card. I believe I can get if not, you know, I believe I can be one of the top five guys on the, the Latin America tour this year. That's my goal. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, you know, you always want to aim high because you know what? If I get inside the top 10, I get exempt, exempt to final stage of Cusco, which is huge too. So the goal in 2019 is to earn my web.com card somehow, either through the top five or through Cusco. Um, then I have a lot of goals that I don't really need to, you know, talk to you about, but I have goals in my stat program, the certain amount of fairways I want to hit every year, certain amount of greens I want to hit every year, certain amount of putts, and distance to the hole from certain yardages. I, I have all those mapped out and I always try to improve them. So I know exactly how far away from the hole I hit it from 150 to 175. And that's, always try to improve that number is the goal. Um, so I have all the numbers written out, my distance to the hole, and I try to improve it every year. Um, obviously, a big part that I feel like, because I'm a, I'm a pretty accurate and long hitting driver, is my wedge game, how close I hit my wedges. And I have numbers on that too. So knowing your statistics is huge if you want to play professional golf, because it will tell you where you have to improve. Because a lot of times you might think like, oh, I'm not hitting it close enough, but you are. So you might need to work on your putting from 25 feet or sometimes you think you're hitting it close, but you don't. And sometimes you think you're hitting a lot of greens, but you don't. So knowing your statistics and then obviously you have some goal in mind of what you want to do performance wise in tournaments. So that's kind of, and then social media, I mean, I just hope, I, I know this short game gains is going to be pretty popular. So my goal is just to grow that and help as many people as I can and uh, enjoy doing it. Awesome. Um, one thing that we like to do on this show, just for a little bit of fun, so people can get to know you a little bit better is a segment that we call our twilight nine. So we compare it to 
playing nine holes as quick as possible on a summer's evening. Uh, gonna go through nine questions, kind of rapid fi fire style. So first thing that pops into your head, just go ahead and, and give us the answer and we'll move on to the next one. Sound good? Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, lowest tournament score? Six to five. Uh, oh, wait, wait, did you lowest or what? Lowest tournament score. Uh, sorry, 63. Uh, go to pre round meal? Probably uh, oatmeal. Favorite on course snack? It's going to be a combination of bananas and uh, beef jerky. Uh, what's your pre-gym pump-up song at the moment? <laughs> it's a Swedish song. You guys are not going to have any idea. <laughs> Let's say it's like a mix between Swedish pop and rap. Okay. Uh, what's your hardest or your least favorite exercise to do in the gym? Anything that has to do with abs. <laughs> uh, you get to the course uh, for a tournament and you realize that you didn't have the right tee time. So you only have 10 minutes before you're due on the first tee. What's, what do you do? Freak out. <laughs> what's your golf brand of choice? Golf brand. Bridge on golf, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best movie of all time. Oh, gosh. Mm. Oh, Can I say serious? Because I love Blacklist. Blacklist is my gig. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then last question, what's your favorite sports team? My favorite sports team? I got to say the Atlanta Hawks. My boy came base more. Nice. Go. Nice. <laughs> Uh, that's our Twilight Nine, a little bit of fun thing we like to do here on Making the Turn, just to give people a little bit more insight into the people that we're getting a chance to talk to. Uh, real quick, Frederick, before we let you go, a couple more questions just that I think will help some of the listeners out. Um, if you had one piece of advice to give to junior golfers who are looking to play in college, what would that be? At what age? Just like high school golfers? Yeah, just junior golfers in general. Junior golfers, okay, at an early age, try to hit it as hard as you possibly can. I mean, swing out of your shoes. I don't care where the ball is going. And I promise you, any coach can teach you how to hit it straight. No coach can teach you how to hit it long. That's the truth. So hit it as hard as you can. And the second thing, get together with a coach. Create a plan. Don't do it by yourself. There's not many guys. You hear these stories, Bob Watson has never had a coach and stuff. Those guys are extremely rare. Like you have that pure of a talent. So get with a coach, create a plan on how you can improve and stick with it. Believe me, it's a process like everything. You're not going to get good overnight. Like I've been working on the same things with my coach for like five years. And that's the truth, man. You're just going to stick with it. And only because it might not work a certain amount of times, don't start to jump around because it's a bad circle to start changing coaches all the time and not trusting what you're doing. So get a coach, get a good plan, and stick with it. Awesome. And then best advice for college players who want to turn professional when they're done? Figure out a way to get the sponsors, financials. It's going to be a game breaker. It's going to determine if you can keep going or just give it a few months and then move on. So figure out what you can do to offer something in return for a sponsor. We talked about social media. It might be offering 
golf days, golf instruction or whatever, but figure out a way to raise funds, just like any business, you gotta have money to make money. So figure out a way to figure out the financials and then go from there. Awesome. And then where can people follow you and your season in 2019? What are your social media handles? So my, I think it's just my name, Frederick Lindblom. Good luck spelling that. <laughs> All right. K L I N D B L O M. You can find me on, uh, that's on Instagram. That's where I kind of hang out. I got a Facebook and Twitter. I think Twitter is F underscore Lindblom. Uh, just my name on Facebook, but I mainly only have time to update my Instagram, which is constantly upgraded. And if you want to follow me in my season on the PJ Latin America, I just download the PJ Tour app and it'll be on there. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you with the 2019 season, man. Thanks for joining us today. It was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. We'll do it again. Thanks. That wraps up episode seven of Making the Turn. Want to give a huge shout out to Frederick Lindblom for hopping on the podcast. Uh, please make sure you guys follow along with him on social media if you don't already. He's an awesome follow. Not only does he post a lot of the stuff that he's doing on the golf course, but he also posts some great tips for you guys. He posts a lot of things that will really help you in your game as well. So make sure you give him a follow, whether it's on Instagram or following along with his short game gains videos, whether that's on YouTube or on the website that they're creating. Uh, those videos will definitely help you guys out. They'll give you a lot of great tips. All of that information will be down in the description box below. Uh, also want to let you guys know that our new series about golfers in the gym is now live. So I want you to go ahead and check those out. A uh, series that's based around teaching you how to move better and also some corrections to help you move better. Really want to make sure that we're prepping everyone for success on the golf course. As Frederick said, a lot of the best performers in the world are not lifting heavy weights all the time. They're getting their bodies prepared. They're making sure that they can move properly and prevent injury. And so that's what our new series is focused around. Uh, once again, I love making these videos. I love being able to do the podcast. So please drop in next week as we have the next episode coming out. Hit that subscribe button if you're new. Uh, stay up to date with the newest content here at Vince Drum and Golf. Can't wait to see you guys next Wednesday for episode eight of Making the Turn. This is Vince Drum and Golf, and I'm out.